what makes an authentic man in this world? What makes a man that's genuine? What does it take for that? So I'm not going to be discussing today the difference between a man and a woman, okay? That's, that's not the point of this message. Uh, we're talking about the differences between a boy and a man. And I hope that for the men, this encourages you and, and gives you some uh, hope of what to strive for and what to do. For ladies, it'll be a t- day that you know that we empower you, we, that we believe in you. But today, as, as we're sharing and we're doing these points, I ask one thing of you. No elbows. No elbows. Hey, get that one. Get that one. We're not going to do that today. But to start this day off right, let's go to a father's battle. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Welcome to another dad battle. Now is anybody, and I mean anybody at all, willing to face our champion? Gentlemen, my son joined the golf team at school, so I bought him an extra pair of socks in case he gets a hole in one. Hole in one. His dad jokes are so effortless. See that? That's why he's the champ. That's nothing. The other day, my daughter said a good Christian dad would buy her a car. So I said, well, a good Christian kid would walk. Because that's what Jesus did. Fathers! Listen up, son. Just because God picked your nose doesn't mean you should. <laughs> when you start paying the bills, you can make some of the rules. Come on! Yeah. Yeah. Hold up! Who touched the thermostat? Yeah. That lawn isn't gonna mow itself. Let me stop what I'm doing and fix your boredom. Hi, Hungry. I'm Dad. I love the smell of Home Depot in the morning. (laughs) Just wait till your mother gets home. Pull my finger. Nah. Just rub some dirt on it. Proud of you. You can do hard things. I love you, no matter 
what? When God made you, he made something very special. The proudest day of my life is the day you made me a father. I thank God for you every time I get on my knees and pray. And again, who gives this woman? No. No, you look at me. You look at me. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? Her mother and I do. I think the video well demonstrates the heart of what a father is, but today we're talking about the five marks of a man. It's actually from a book by Brian Tome, and he argues that the primal code of every man, that, that is his journey, that you can see throughout history for every great man, was a journey to biblical manhood. Biblical manhood. So I want you to grab your notes, I want you to pull them out, I want you to follow this along. 1 Corinthians is the anchor, is the scripture that I'm going to spend time on that I'm going to unpack. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, it says this. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all you do be done in love. So much is said there that I want to spend some time with it. Being a man is a high calling. Being a father is even a greater calling, is a recognition of your priesthood. Yet men are typecast as anything at. You look at any show, any anime, any cartoon, anything like that, the men are the buffoons. The men are the ones that, that don't get it, or they don't have a clue about what life is going on. Culture is trying to erase biblical men, especially fathers and your role and your importance. You don't get to turn a man just because you turned 18, 21. Doesn't matter, I counsel all types of men uh, throughout my, my, my journey as a pastor, and you could be 50 year old and still be a boy. You could be 60 years old and still be a boy. You don't just become a man. So I'm here to encourage you men today about what you can do. Five marks of a man reveal that men are determined by how they live. What you do, how you live, that shapes you, that shows you, that reveals who you are. First of all, what does it say? Watch. Okay? They're watchful. Boys live day to day. This kind of, whatever the day happens, hey, that's what I'm going to do today, you know? I have no plan. I have no hopes. Uh, men plan. They think. They bless. They seek the vision God has for their life. Men stand firm. Real men have courage, and they stand against the culture. It doesn't matter what the culture is doing. They stand against it. Boys, 
just let it happen. I don't want to be outside the group. I just want to kind of go along. I want to be accepted. I want to be a part. I'm just going to do whatever they do. And the spiritual world and the culture is going to throw everything it has at you to knock you off course. You need to stand firm. And then it says, act like men. Now, I really want to point out here, it didn't say act like a man. It said act like men. Men are team players. They work together. They function together. They're stronger together. There's other people. Iron sharpens iron. It's about men working together, being in a group, shaping one another. They're a pack. There's strength in the group. Men work hard. Boys, they just play. They just waste time. Then it says, be strong. You need to take action. You need to do something. You need to know what you're about. You need to respond. So much of it just waiting and so, well, I'll just kind of flow along. I'm a guy on a river and whatever culture takes, wherever it goes, I'll just go that way. And then finally it says, let all you do be done in love. Men protect and they serve. Boys, they look out for themselves. Boys can even be predatory when it comes to those that are weak, when it comes to women. They just use them to however it takes to satisfy them. These are the five marks of biblical masculinity. There's a spiritual calling that God says. Again, everyone just look at 1 Corinthians 18. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love. All right, men. Or, or, men, come on, I need that deep voice. Practice up. Get it ready. Oh, seriously, come on. Then get it. Ready? Ready? I want you to read this verse deep and strong. All right? Ready? Together. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. That's our calling. So I want to unpack three marks of a man. I want to paint a picture from the Bible. And the person we're using that couldn't be a better example is Noah. Noah. Now, who is Noah? Many of you may ask that. Is he the one that got swallowed by a fish? No, that was Jonah. It's important you know your stories. But his wife was Joan of Arc, all right? The Ark. Come on, stay with me, all right? Noah's a man's man. Do you know where he's at? He's in Hebrews 11. He's in God's Hall of Fame. His picture is hung up there. I want you to remember this father. I want you to remember this man. I want you to take note of who he is. Hebrews 11.7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He's a protector. He obeyed God. He's a priest. Who warned him about things that had never happened. He's walking with God. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. It's really important to understand what that word means. Because he so trusted God, there was such a stark contrast to everyone else's rebellion. Wasn't he was pointing his finger saying, I'm better than you. He so trusted God. He was a stark example, picture of what a man was to the rebellion, to the disregard, to I'm going to do it my way. That you could see in his life. 
and he received righteousness that comes only by faith. His standing with God came because he trusted in God, not because he was perfect. Noah faced two floods. Many of you don't realize that. The very first flood that he faced was a flood of sin and evil. Like today, it is just off the chart. It is just unchanged. It's just a, it's all the things. It doesn't matter. You, you make up your gender. You make up your terms. You make up your life. You do what you want. You know, truth is relative. Nothing really matters. And it's, it's destroying a whole generation. In his day, humans were being remade. If you read before, you're going to find some crazy stuff. And how humans are actually being reshaped. And we're talking about AI. We're talking about how you can make and change your body out for different parts and how we're moving towards that and how close we are to that. And we took God's covenant, the rainbow. God's covenant. You know what that was? A blood covenant. It was God's covenant that he made of mercy for you and I. Of mercy. And what have we replaced it with? Pride. I'm going to do it my way. This is how we're going to do it. And we replace God's mercy. And God says, I'm going to return when the day is like it was in Noah's time. Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. He had right standing with God because of his faith and his trust. The only blameless person, the only blameless purpose living on earth at the time. But here's how he did it. He walked in close fellowship with God. All right? He walked in close. Why did God pick Noah? Why did he look around and said, of all the people, I pick you? Why did he do that? And here's a bigger question, men. Would God pick you? And for all those checking out, saying, yeah, I, I messed up, I blew it, I can't, you know, <laughs> you don't know my mess up. That, you don't get to check out because God still has hope in you. And just like the song was, God is fighting for you. You want God to pick you. And it only comes by walking with him. And it's important to know that. There's three things to know about Noah. Just quickly, he was righteous. He was blameless. He had integrity. His neighbors couldn't condemn him because he was right standing with them because he walked faithfully with God. But Noah wasn't perfect. Read the Bible. He got drunk. His pants fell down. He made a fool of himself. It's in the Bible. Read it, okay? But because he walked faithfully with God, he's in the hall of fame. Not perfect. It's set apart. God, I'm, I'm your coffee cup and my, your name is on me and it's, I'm not to be used for any other purpose, not even mine. I want to be your purpose only. When you walk with God by faith, he gives you purpose. So inside, as you look at your notes, the very first thing is men have a godly vision. Men have a godly vision. Boys, they live day to day. Men have a godly vision for their lives, 
where it's going, what it should be. Boys, get up and hope. I hope today treats me well. I hope there's no problem. I hope I finally win that game. I'm going to this level, and I've been trying so hard. I hope I finally achieve that level. Here's facts. By age 21, you will have played 10,000 hours of video games. Do you know what 10,000 hours gets you? It gets you master-level expert in anything. You want to be a pilot? You want to be able to fly 10,000 hours? You want to master something and be sought after for an expert? 10,000 hours gets you that. Steve Jobs, in 10,000 hours, created the idea of the iPhone. When you look at Mozart, 10,000 hours got him a completed concerto. When you think of these things, it's incredible. Men use time to accomplish something for God. You need a vision to add value to the lives of those around you. You need a vision so you know that as I sacrifice this, God's going to do something incredible in my life. So what's your vision? What's your hope in five years? What's your thought about your life? You can't just check out and say it's all messed up. From today on, if you started committing yourself to God and walking with Him, imagine what He could do with you. Maybe your vision is simply to stay married and be a faithful person. To be the first one in your family not addicted to some sort of substance. Not addicted to porn. To love. To spiritually develop somebody else especially your family. God gave Noah a vision. And I want you to think about it. It wasn't just build a boat. It says, here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to plow the ground. You're going to need to plant seeds. And from those seeds, you need to grow trees. Huge, massive trees. Then you're going to need to cut those trees down. Then you're going to need to mill those trees into planks, into timber, into the parts that you need. Then you're going to need to be a master builder and take that wood and everything that you planted and you're to make an ark. You're to build the first wooden tanker ever. I know there's no blueprints. I know there's no things. So I'm going to help you with all this. As you walk with me. That's just amazing when you think about all that he did. Can you imagine? I want you to build an ark. An ark? What's an ark? Well, let me explain to you. And he starts going on. Because there's going to be a great flood. I want you to be prepared for something you've never seen, you don't understand, and you don't know how to build, and know how to do it. As you walk with me, I want you to be prepared for this great flood. Are you walking with God towards his vision for you? Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. My vision when I first started out was just to be married and be a faithful man. For 43 years, I've, I've been able to do that because of Terry and our relationship, to raise kids. We've raised a son and a daughter and now two other boys to love God, to pastor, 
to mentor well. I've got many that are in ministry in key position around all different types of organization. My vision now is to be shoulders on which my grandkids can stand to achieve their God-given vision, to build this church, to die spiritually fathering and mentoring those God puts in my reach. That's my call in life. What's your vision? What's your purpose? Do you have a vision to be the person God wants you to be? Stop being robbed of that. God hasn't stopped fighting for you. God's committed to you. He'll help you. We need to be a man who holds God's dreams and then walks with God and works towards it year after year. God can give you a vision beyond your current capacity. But you have to remember, it's not beyond his capacity. You may say, it's no way, it's not possible. God says, yes, it is, because I will do it through you. Mark Twain, the, the writer, said this, two most important days are the days you were born and the days that you find out why you were born. We go around and in our time say, YOLO, YOLO. You only got, you know, one life to live. YOLO. But a man, he gets it. He understands it. He thinks long term. A boy goes, YOLO. I'm going to charge up my cards all the way for this ski trip. You only got one chance to live, you know. So I'm going to max out the problem. I don't care about that. Just plays and lives for himself and doesn't think about the consequences. Do you have a grander vision for your life? Will you let God give you one? Does it cause God help? Or have you weedy? Here's, the, here's this, the official Christian word. We need out. Oh, I, I can't do that. Ah, it's too much. Have you downsized? But God has spoken about your life before you were even born. Number two, men take a minority position. Boys follow the crowd. Genesis 6, 5 through 8. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything, underlying that, everything, he saw that everything that they thought, imagined, was consistently and totally evil. You watched the news lately? Seen the craziness of what's going on? So the Lord was so sorry he had ever made them, he put them, put them on earth. He broke, that it broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race that I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the air. I am sorry I ever made them. In the middle of that, of his broken heart, in the middle of his statement, he makes this following thought. But Noah found favor. There every thought was evil, but Noah found favor. Because he stood out among this corrupt nation. Joseph refused to sleep with his boss's wife. That would get you on the cover of GQ. That would get you interviews. Man, how to sleep with your, your boss's wife. When it comes to ministry and where I'm at, when, I, when it comes to me talking about sex, I, I'm not going to have a popular view. 
It's going to be different. It's between a man and a woman. It's in marriage. It's with one spouse. Some of you say, well, does that make you a bigot? Does it make... No. And I'm okay with whatever you think. Because I only please one person. And that's God. One day I stand before one person. God. And he asked me, what have you done with your life? And I hope it's to please you. God saw that Noah was different. It wasn't his age, because we find that David, as a teen, was a man. As a whole army is hidden, hiding from Goliath. A teenage boy goes out and stands against the giant, because he knew who his God was. Noah walked with God when nobody else would. God said, I chose you, Noah. And you know why he chose Noah? Because he was a weirdo. He stood out. He was so odd. He didn't blend in. He goes, I need you. Men are willing to take a minority stand. Boys just want to fit in with the majority. Men are willing to stand against the culture in what it says. Noah stood against a culture of sexual immorality that was rampant, the violence that was occurring, the corruption that was going on, whether every thought where kids had no chance of growing up because every thought was evil, human sacrifice, all the stuff that was going on. Men stand. Today is a pressured environment. I don't care whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're online, whether you're with your family. People don't want to stand up. They're afraid of the wrath of of the woke culture. There's a pressure just to fall in step, not to be the odd one out, not to say anything that gets you ostracized or or causes a problem. When you walk with God, you're going to look weird to other people. Whether it's at work, whether it's when people are telling jokes, whether it's at school, wherever you're at, there's something in your life. This is my question. Is there something in your life that you've softened your position on because of the possibility of criticism. Not fitting in. Is there some place? You are to stand true to your faith. You're to hold on to hope and trust God just like Noah did. Would God choose you to start the world over? I don't want you to condemn yourself. I want you to realize if I walk with God, He would choose me. Do you walk close enough to hear God's voice? To get His purpose? Noah did, and he heard. In Genesis 6, 14, he says, Get to work! Build a large board from cypress wood, waterproof it with tar, inside and out, and then construct decks and stalls throughout the interior. And he goes, he goes on, Get building! I got all these examples and what I need you to do. There's going to be an air hole across the top. You need to have it this size, this height, this width, all this stuff on the back. Men work hard. Boys waste time. Men work hard to make God's vision reality. They take action. So I want you to think things to know. Hard work doesn't always pay off right away. It takes time for it to pay off. God told Noah, build an ark. He's 100 miles from the ocean. Noah probably never has ever even seen a boat. 
God uses small steps to prepare. Wherever you're at, God uses small steps. You know what the first thing God had me do at age 12? Was to work the sound booth. Because he knew I would need it through, through my life and, and working with teenagers and working with, with churches. and work. You need to have a base knowledge of that. And God prepares you. God took me into law enforcement to prepare me. I didn't have some testimony where I went out and lived a wild life. But I was exposed to every sin that was possibly known. And God prepared me for what people do with, with the damage that's in your life. God will prepare you a step at a time if you trust in him, if you lean into him. And the truth is that when God gets close enough to speak to you, he's going to say something that doesn't make sense. It's outside the norm. It is something that's, are you sure God is like that? Build a boat? That's what you want me to do? You can't Google it. You can't look it up. God had to download his plan. Genesis six fifteen. Make the boat about 450 feet long. 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave about an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around. It goes on with all the instructions. These are the exact dimensions that tankers use today. Because that's the size it's got to be. That's the ratio of 6 to 1 that's necessary for that in deep waves in an ocean for it to be stable. So in the flood, that's what was necessary. That was needed. Before he was even told, before it was even designed, God had given the plan. In Kentucky, they have this ark. And it shows you, I use exact dimensions to build it. Four stories high. One and a half football fields long. You can fit 550 freight containers inside. Noah started working outside with his hands. We're so soft today, you know, if the air conditioning's off, it's a tough thing. The seats aren't padded, you know. Oh, I don't know if I, we have it so rough and so tough. And it's like, I don't think I want to do that. And, you know, yet people are trying to test themselves because they've never been tested. Uh, there's a thing that's real popular right now called Tough Mutters. And it's about these competitions and these events and all these things you do, and you can sign up to be a pop. The CEO says this, we don't really know if we're tough anymore. It's all too easy. We never have been scared, haven't been wet, haven't been muddy, haven't been tested. We want to test ourselves. That's why these are popular with, with everyone right now. Noah set off to build the ark the right way. And he did it right away. He didn't wait. He didn't say, oh, I've got a few decades. I've got to grow some trees. I'll, I'll think about this one. No, he was instantly plowing in that work. Because he knew that the reward was way down the road. He needed to get after it. Noah got to work. He followed the plan and he worked. And he became the first master shipbuilder. Boys, they're passive in nature. Men take action. It's through work that God's vision can become a reality. So don't let faith, let your faith in God be reduced to the reality of your current circumstances. This is what my pay is. This is what my time is. This is how faithful I've been. It's a mess. So I, I, I know I can't do much for God. Don't let yourself be reduced to that level. Men keep at it. This is my work for life. This is my work for the next generation. I want the worship team to come.
Faith is acting like God is telling the truth before you see the results. Faith is seeing that God is going to be truthful before you see anything that means it can happen. Blackaby says this, you know, you find where God's working, you find where he's moving, you find where he's, and you join him. You and I need to be mentoring. We need to be helping our neighbors. We need to be speaking to inmates. We need to be doing something. We find what God is about, and we join that with our gifts. The question is, is there something you're avoiding right now because you think it's work? Is there something you're avoiding? Is there a relationship that needs to be mended? An apology to be given? Here's one. Growth in yourself. I really need to grow here. I, I could go up a couple of degrees. I, I could make some changes. I could let God do something in my life. Using your God-given gifts for others. Is there a place you need to be persistent? Oh, I failed here. I failed so many times. No, is there a place you need to be persistent? Because you keep at it, you're going to succeed. God's going to help you do that. Where do you need to trust God? Because there's some place that you've you backed off. There's some place that you've taken for God. There's some place where you believed the deception. You believed the lie. This is all that I am. And you're living beneath who God has made you to be. Is there a place you need to trust God? Is there a circumstance you're facing right now? You need to trust God. I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to trust God. many and even those online it may be simply saying lord i need to get on base with you i need to believe you're the son of god i didn't mean to admit i've sinned and i need to surrender i need to come back to you i need to let you have your your ability to work with me and be with me again i need to express a prayer and so right now lord we just we just pray that wherever you're at whether you're here whether this is the first time whether you're away again Begin to say this. Let this be a starting heart. Lord, I believe you're the Son of God. I'm going to need the Son of God because I can't do it. Lord, I admit, I have failed you. I have sinned. I've done it my own way. I got some circumstances and problems in my life that are such a mess. But God, I accept your forgiveness. I accept that you'll fight for me. I accept that if I walk with you, Lord God, you're going to show me a plan and a vision. I accept that. Lord, I surrender to you right now. I know I can't do it. I may have even done it before, but God, I'm going to trust you. Hear my words. Hear my heart. Hear my prayer. In your name. For all of us, will you push past the fear of the unknown? This is where I really want to get to right now in this moment. I don't know what will happen. I don't know if I can do it. I, will you push past the fear of the unknown? I was working with some, some young adults. I was training to be ministers. And they were in my office and 
there's about eight or nine of them, and, and God was just giving me this thought about, is there a wall? You ever hit a wall? Come against me, I, I don't know if I can go any further. He said, what is your wall? Where is it you have fear? Most said, well, I, I'm, we're all out. You know, we, we've committed ourselves. We're, we're, we're living full time and working for the church and we're doing all this. Well, we, we don't have any walls. Yes, you do. Where's your wall? I began to deal with the first one. I said, where's your wall? How about your father? What do you think? My father abandoned me. He's never been in my life. Does that create any problems in your life? Yeah, I have a problem with trusting. That's your wall. We start going around. Where is your wall? Where is your hurt? What's going on? And you begin to find there's there's something you're not pressing through. There's something you're not sure of. There's somewhere where I've been hurt. I'm not going to be hurt again. The time we got done, everyone was weeping and crying and recognizing where their wall is. And they went out and said, God, that was a that was a great day. You really did something. You really helped them. I, I'm just saying, and then God says, Randy, where's your wall? What do you mean? I'm the teacher. Randy, where's your wall? If I had to start all over again, that would be scary for me. Randy, I want you to leave all of this. I want you to start again. And I said immediately, No clue, no idea. That's what we need to do. Trust God. Trust God. Where's your wall? Where it's at? This is so important. It's in that space, in that gap, in that empty place, in that difficult struggle. It's in that gap. That is where we press in. That's where that pressing creates something. God strengthens, God directs, God trades. But you've got to do the work to pursue. Stand with me. Will you press in today? Will you recognize where your gap is? We say, God, shape me. Press me. Make me. In the crushing that pressing you are making you in this gap you're creating in the soul you are breaking you need to respond so I yield to you to 